Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very, very special guest. Her name is Donna Kaz, and you might have seen her in the press recently because she was in a relationship with William Hurt, who ended up dying, and it was not a nice relationship. And she would like to share with us the relationship she had. So, so Donna, I'm going to ask you to go back into your history and tell me about your life and where you started and, and, you know, how you got to where you were and what happened. So let's start at the beginning, which is a very good place to start. <laughs> exactly. Um, I uh, studied theater. I had dreams of being an actress and a director. Um, I moved to Manhattan in the late seventies and I got, I, I had to get a job to support myself. So I got a job working at a famous bar in Greenwich village called Jimmy days around the corner from Jimmy days was a theater circle repertory company. And it was a new company doing original works by writers like Lanford Wilson. And one of the actors who worked there was William Hurt. And he would come into Jimmy Day's quite often for lunch. Um, and that's where I met him. And we, we fell in love. Uh, he invited me to see him in a show. And we spent every day from that moment on for about three years together. We really didn't end our relationship for about 13 years. So we had quite... Uh, a run. Our relationship was full of violence, but it was also full of love. Um, I, I want to say one of the things that is very troubling and confusing about women who are in physically abusive and emotionally abusive relationships is people don't understand why they don't leave. And so you have to understand that there is a cycle of violence that you get trapped into and you cannot get out of it. It's almost like an addiction. There is lots of tension. There is the actual abuse. But after the abuse always comes the honeymoon period, what they call the honeymoon period of the love and the promises that it will never happen again and the sorry and the apologies. And this is the hook that keeps women and men and other people, it, it doesn't only happen to women, involved in abusive relationships is the understanding that it was, it will never happen again. The hope of change, the attachment that you have to somebody, the love and the belief that you can fix it, that it will be fixed, that one day it will stop. So I was involved with William Hurt for many, many years. It took me a long time to even process the fact that I was a victim of abuse and that I had been in a violent relationship. I used to downplay it all the time. I never told anyone. There was lots of shame. There was a, lots of embarrassment involved in it. And when I finally did come to the realization that I had survived this, I decided that I wanted to tell my story. And that's when I wrote my memoir, Unmasked Memoirs of a Gorilla Girl on Tour. 
Cool. Well, I, first of all, I have to thank you for having the courage to come forward with that, because there are a lot of women out there that, as you said, have not the courage to leave a relationship. And secondly, when they've left a relationship, they feel so much shame that they cannot put it together into any conceivable form except to hide it and, and, and not even admit that it had occurred because there's just too much shame associated with that. You're right. And society also, there's a lot of shaming of victims in the media, in the press. People are not willing to listen to women's stories and understand the complexities of what happened to them. It's very hard to go through the process of disclosing one's story. And I also want to say that that process is very individual and people who have um, overcome trauma and experienced trauma and violence have their own methods and ways of dealing with it. And sometimes it takes a very long time and sometimes it never comes out. And so I would like to say to all survivors out there, go at your own pace to um, tell your story, but it's also fine if you never tell it, if that, because that's your choice. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask a couple of questions about your relationship, and it may cause some pain, so please bear with me. Uh, was your relationship mentally and physically abusive, or, or was it just mentally abuse or physical abuse, or, you know, which was it? Well, I don't think you can have one without the other. When you are exposed to violence, you usually question your behavior because you're blamed. Uh, my, uh, I, I beat you up because you behaved badly. You did something wrong. This is usually the, the MO of abusive people. So you become quite confused about your own behavior and what is causing this. And if you're told that it's your fault, then you start to believe you can fix it. So it's both physical and mental and emotional and psychological. It's very complex. Um, it's often very troubling for people who know other people who are involved or currently in abusive relationships because it's very complicated to assist someone like this. You have to be very patient. You have to listen. And you also have to be aware that there is a safety issue. Uh, violence is dangerous. Yeah. Your, your, life is your life is literally at stake in some of this, in some of these times when you're being beaten. And, and exactly. that is something you have to take into account with all this, because not only are you, um, incapable of going because of, sh to tell the authorities or tell people because of shame, you're also violently afraid of what can happen to you. Yes. There are threats to, to be killed, to be, um, usually people in violent relationships are isolated. They are quite isolated from family and friends. Don't tell anybody who are you going to see that they're controlled, who they can actually see and tell. And so this is why people don't say anything because of fear. 
there is a lot of fear and a lot of isolation. Yeah, I understand. So this was a relationship that went on for 13 years. Now, were you living with him the entire time for 13 years or was it a no, we were, again? We were we were officially together for three. OK, then we broke up, but we kept seeing each other for 10 years. Once a year, twice a year, something like that. So when the three years when we were together, we did live together most of that time. I understand. Now, William Hurt has received accolades for his acting ability and, and everything else that he did in the acting world. What was wrong with him? Did he have a past in that he was abused as a child? Well, violence and it is usually cyclical. People who are violent have usually experienced violence in their lives. So we have to stop the cycle of violence. And um, there are lots of organizations who are working towards that and lots of people who are aware of that. I just want to say that, yes, William Hurt was a fabulous actor. Let's, that's a given. That's an understanding. I want to focus more on me and my story uh, because I think that's the one that I, I, I am telling right now is my narrative of having gone through this and becoming a feminist activist, which is what I ended up doing uh, after um, after this experience, I, I ended up joining a group called the Guerrilla Girls, whose mission is to fight for uh, women's rights and to talk about discrimination and sexism against women and people of color in the art world and beyond. And Bravo. One, Bravo. One, yes. And at one point, at one point, and we all wore gorilla masks so that we and we took the names of dead women artists. My name was Afra Ben. And we did this to focus on the issues instead of on ourselves so that people could just accuse us of doing this to promote our own personal careers. And at Bravo. one point, wearing the gorilla mask and talking about sexism in the arts, I thought, how did I get here? I started off as a very young 20 year old woman involved in a violent relationship. And now, 20, 30 years later, I am a feminist activist. What's the connection there? And I do th believe that because of my experiences as a young woman, being involved in a horrible relationship and a, and a violent relationship led me to fighting for women's rights and saying, this is wrong and this has to stop. The cycle has to stop. We have to get more aware of violence in our society and there is no place for it. Yeah. And, and I don't think there's any place for violence in society anywhere. And, and I, I think we would be a better society if we didn't have violence. I, I, unfortunately, I, I mentioned in my book, uh, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, that there's two wolves, a good wolf and a bad wolf. And it's based on a Navajo legend. And the wise man gets asked, which one wins? And the answer is the one that gets fed. And unfortunately, we do feed the ugly side and violent side a lot in our society. We, we literally feed that. So it does have a tendency to get the upper hand at times. Correct. And that's why I think it's important that people listen to each other. I think if you do more listening, then 
than than you do talking sometimes is, is the best way to go. And that's especially true if you know somebody who is in a dangerous situation. Um, so I'm going to ask you, Donna, so that other people can possibly go your route. How did you break the cycle? How did you get out of it? Well, I have to say that Bill Hurt dumped me. It wasn't as if I broke up with him. He's. Um, I talk about that we were together every day and it was it was a very controlling relationship so i always had to be with him i could not do anything on my own i had to support him and be next to him and be by his side after 3 years i was fed up and i decided i was going to leave we were in la and i was going to go back to new york early uh i think it was the first time that i exerted my own will and said i am going to do something for me i actually had an audition so i went back to new york And I never heard from him again. It was one of those things where I couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, I I eventually did get a hold of him months later, but uh, I I didn't break free from the relationship at that time. So we still kept in touch for 10 years. What happened to me was I was living in Los Angeles and I decided I was wanted to do volunteer work. And I call up the L.A. Rape and Battery Hotline to volunteer to work on the hotline. That organization is now a wonderful organization called Peace Over Violence in Los Angeles. I went to the training session. I thought this was a random choice that I made to contact the L.A. Rape and Battery Hotline. I went to the first training session and we went around and introduced ourselves and every woman there introduced themselves as survivor. I'm so-and-so a survivor. I'm so-and-so a survivor. And that was the first time it hit me that I was a survivor too, that I had survived a horrible relationship. And this is, this is uh, 13 years later after the violence started, um, So I got very involved with the L.A. Rape and Battery Hotline. It was the 90s at the time Nicole Brown Simpson was murdered. The people at that organization, the the hotline, knew my story. They needed someone to talk to the press, someone who had been involved with somebody powerful and famous who had been abused. And I went on several talk shows to talk about my experience. At that time, I didn't disclose who it was, but I talked about my experience. And at that point, That's when I really knew I had released it, that I was making the choice of standing up and telling my story. And I knew at that point I would never, ever hear from Bill Hurt again because he would see it. He would see me talking on CNN or some other show. And that was it. It was over. So for me, that's how I escaped. I made my own choice to realize what had happened to me and to speak about it. Did you feel more free after you went through that? Did you feel like some sort of weight was lifted off your shoulders? Did you feel? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a weight lifted off my shoulders, but the real weight would not be lifted until I wrote my memoir and until I named my batterer and until I wrote the entire story, how it happened in my memory 
all of it, the being swept off my feet, falling in love, being inside the cycle of violence, not being able to escape, not being able to have a voice and finding my voice and writing my narrative and writing my book was really the release. And, and they, I, say, they say a book is a, bit, is a bit of catharsis, that writing a book is what you need to do at the time to help your soul heal. Was that for you as well? Yes. Well, in, when in writing memoir, you must relive. You must go back and relive every moment because you're writing about it. And so I went through it all again and I wrote it down to the best of my memory. And that was cathartic and uplifting. And it changed me. I, I became a totally different person after I wrote my book. I really believe that I have a lot more self-confidence and I became a different person, somebody that was much freer. Yeah. And, and that, that is huge that you've done that, you know, putting yourself through that, all that reliving that you had to do to write that book, it really takes a person of bravery and courage because that is a very, very, very difficult thing to do to put yourself through that. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, I'm very um, happy that I was able to do it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it was a mountain. It was a mountain to climb. And, you know, in my book, uh, I have a quote. It starts with a quote that is a, um, uh, an old uh, saying that says, behind every mountain, there's another mountain. Yeah, that's and profound. So it's a Haitian proverb. And so we must climb every mountain, right? Yes, we must. Uh, but you know, Donna, and, and I'm going to posit this, and, and you could disagree or not, but you know, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. And even though you've been, hell and, been through hell and brimstone, you are at a place now where you're helping people. You've begun a movement where you can help people more. You've, you've gone to a place that you would never been in if you didn't go through that hell to get there. Now, I wouldn't recommend to go through hell to get there, <laughs> but, but you're certainly in a space now that is a good space for you that's helping you and others along. And, and I think that's, that's important for, for you. You're sharing your story to the press and the world. And, and that is helping and potentially helping so many more people. It, it's crazy. It's, it, you know, life is a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work. Nothing is dropped in our lap. Nothing is presented to us. We must go after our goals. We must work hard to achieve happiness. And I think that if you want that enough and you work hard enough and you put your head down and realize that what I want out of the universe, I must go out and get, I think that makes you happy. Yeah. It's the, it's that pursuit and that work that makes you happy because you do get a lot of love when you put that out there. Yeah. It, it comes back to you, but it is work. It's not easy. 
And I don't think anybody has an easy life or anyone has been, you know, born on, no one's born on easy street. I really believe that. But I think that it's just a matter of figuring out what your goals are and what you want to accomplish and what you want to do and going after that, which doesn't mean that you're going to get everything that you ask for, but you can certainly, you can certainly make headway and making headway is an achievement. It's an achievement getting up and going for your goals. I mean, that's an incredible accomplishment to just, be able to do that. Yeah. You know, there's this idea that if you can think it and believe it, it's going to just come to you. I, I believe if you think it, believe it and work at it, it'll come to you. But without the work part, you can think and believe all you want, but you're not going to get there. That's absolutely right. The work is the important part. The yeah. work is is where it all happens. And the work you must enjoy the work and, and acknowledge and, and be grateful for the work. Yeah. Well, Donna, this show is called How You Live a Fantastic Life Show. So I'm going to ask you, and you can even maybe disagree that you're not even there yet, but how do you live a fantastic life now that you're free from those burdens that you went through? Well, I think that you must find your community, meaning surround yourself with people who love you and who you love, which can be colleagues, friends, coworkers, family members. You must be and feel a part of a community. And there are many different ways to do that. And that's one way I think that you will be guaranteed a fantastic life is by surrounding yourself with a loving community. Have you found your community now? Have you found that group of people that support you when you need support? I have found, yes, I found them, but I'm still looking for them. I have Good found answer. A, you never you never quite end the quest of that. There's never a, a day where you wake up and say, "Oh, I have my community. Nobody else is, can come in now. Everyone's here." I think that it, the more experiences you have, the more you meet people and the more that you can share in this in this world and which means love, you know, sharing love. And that community changes and morphs and expands and closes as we grow and age, but I think it should always be, it's always in process. It's always in process. I, I think life is always a process where we're not only climbing a set of stairs, but we're always going down that set of stairs as well. Quite right. often it's one step forward and two steps back along our journey, you know, and it's often hard to see the the light at the end of the tunnel of our journey because Although we might have a vague idea of what it is, we might have our goals, but somehow life has a funny way to get us there in different ways than we thought was possible. It certainly is not a straight line. Right. Oh, it's definitely not a straight line. It's definitely not a straight line. And and yours was definitely one of the most circuitous lines to get to where you are now. Yes. And, 
that's what made me go back and say, maybe I should write about this. The story might be useful to some other people. And, and speaking of community, you know, that community was for me for a very long time working with the end uh, domestic violence community. And so volunteerism was very important in my life in meeting those kinds of people and getting that support and being able to reach the point where I could tell my story was because I was surrounded by so much support by that community. Yeah. I've heard the same of people with other addictions. And and you said violence was like an addiction, but I've heard people that are alcoholics or people that are in drugs that when they, part of their rehab process was to volunteer that was able to get them through that cycle that they were going into and and out of. So they found that that was a very essential part of their lives. Right. And I think it also helps to find your purpose, which also is ever changing. Why are we here on earth? And what is our purpose for this life that we have been given? What are we supposed to be doing with our lives? What are we supposed to be uh, saying, telling, showing, uh, working at? And that's also a, that's also a constant thing that a thing that changes all the time. But I think you, having your community around you helps you define those goals, those ever changing goals that we have. Yeah, I agree with you. And the Japanese have a concept for purpose, and it's called ikigai. And Ikigai actually has four circles that are overlapping. One circle is uh, the, the circle of passion. The second circle is mission. The third circle is profession. And the last circle is vocation. And when you put all those together, at the center part of it is your Ikigai. Now, most people do not know their Ikigai right off. But it evolves over time by understanding the other parts of those circles in your lifetime. So something to think about as you define that purpose and redefine that purpose, Donna. That's a wonderful image. I love that. I would like you to, when you go on Google, uh, put the word in Google Images, Ikigai, because the vision of it will come up for you and you will see what I'm talking about even more. I, I see it's important to do that. So if you understand what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and what you can get paid for, that really truly is your ikigai and all this stuff. And if you can put that together, you'll understand this concept that is pretty genuine and unique. Okay. It's wonderful. We're almost at our end here, Donna. And I would like you to tell people how they can get in touch with your world. If you have a website or how they can get your book, because I, I, I don't think the book is all of Donna. It's just part of Donna. So I'd like right. them to get all of you if they'd like to. Yes, I do have a website, donnacaz.com, D-O-N-N-A-K-A-Z.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter, which I only send out once or twice a year. I I don't send a lot of newsletters. I am also, uh, you can buy Unmasked, Memoirs of a Gorilla Girl on tour online 
Um, it's at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, small bookshops, libraries. You can request it. I am on Twitter as Donna Kaz and Instagram Donna underscore Kaz and Facebook. I'm on social media and I love um, talking to people and getting communication, communicating with people. So please, if you do read my book, I would love to know what you think about it. So be in touch. Donna, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and and your pain and what you've come through to get to the other side. Well, thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we've just talked to a very wonderful person by the name of Donna Cass. That's K-A-Z. For you, you'd say Z, but I say Z. Uh, the answer is you should find out a little bit more and explore it a bit more. And if you'd like to know more about the services I offer, please go to Dr. Alan Lyka. That's D-R-A-L-L-E-N-L-Y-C-K-A.com. And if you like this and need some help in your world, I'm also a world-class coach that offers coaching both in groups and in individual hour. So check out my website. You'll find out more. Dr. Leica here. Hope to talk to you soon. We have a lot of interesting guests. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic day.